0: Uh, Today is, I I don't know about you, but I love the fall. It's just something about the fall. I I enjoy the cooler weather. Today was, this morning was kind of like a beautiful morning to me. I I had this urge to go sit in the tree stand and watch nature and possibly harvest something, but I just throw that out there. Anyway, uh, I want to give a shout out to all of those that helped last week with the uh, Bellevue Food Pantry Food Drive. We gave over a hundred bags of groceries. Yeah, so that's really cool and and, uh, very necessary and needed for what they need, so just want to say thank you for all those that were part of that. Something has been happening for quite a while now, Uh, about 18 months or so. uh, We've been in, uh, let me back up, about 18 months ago, we were able to purchase some property and maybe you knew this, maybe you didn't. But over on 66th Street between 66th and 72nd, Papio Greens Golf Course, we were able to purchase that property about 18 months ago. Our process in this whole thing has been: let's see if we can't pay off the property. Which, amazingly, we've. And here's why I'm, I'm shouting this out today: is that we are just about to pass the $200,000 mark as what we paid off. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, that's amazing. I mean, it's like we, it's been happening. But at the same time, here's what's happening is we've got a little ways to go. We've got about $300,000 roughly to pay off on this property. And uh, I'm kind of feeling a sense of urgency in my spirit, in my, my heart about us moving more aggressively after this. Now, to move more aggressively after this, it means that we as a corporate group, are going to have to get more aggressive about it. It's not just me getting more aggressive about it. It's like, you know, me up here, yeah, you know, doing that and stuff like that. It's understanding that uh, we we can move pretty quickly here if we all get in on it together. And so here's what's what's thrown out. It's called Project 100. We've had it for a while. We're going to talk about it this week and next week briefly. We don't do this all the time. If you're here for if you're visiting, you're like, man, sure enough, I come to church and they're talking about money, they're talking about no it, That's not how we operate, it's just once in a while, this is what we talk about, and here it is. Uh, But Project 100, simply this, is a focused approach for us to be able to pay off that $300,000 as quickly as possible, because, here's what happens, that allows us to move to the next step, which we can begin the building phase, if you will, on the property. In other words, we, we have to pay off the property so we have the down payment thing going on to make it happen. We can't carry all of it at the same time, so it's kind of an aggressive thing, and it positions us to do some really cool stuff, so that's what we're doing. That's what Project 100, 100 is all about, and then, so really all it is is saying, hey, let's get as many people as possible making a commitment to give monthly to pay this thing off, not just so, hey, we paid it off, no, so we can begin to move forward as a church and actually see more and more lives change. Here's what's happening right now. We are running... Last week, we had almost 400 people in church last week. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. I mean, we're talking just, I don't know where you all coming from, but you just came, and there it is. But I think what's happening is God has positioned us as a church for to, a time like this. And it's happening, and so we need to start thinking about the next 12, 24 months, 36 months now so we can get ready for the things that God's going to do around the corner. So the, all those things are taking place, and, and so Project 100 is part of it. So here's the goal. The goal is to pay it off simply as quickly as possible. Our plan is to have at least 100 people sign up and be a part of it. Jennifer and I, we've been giving $100 a month for 18 months now. We're going to give $100 a month for the next 18 months or whatever. You know, we're just going to keep doing it because, uh, just hey, we're going we're to keep plugging in there. You know, I mean, so it's, it's not, that's not our tithe. That's just above and beyond. We're saying, hey, we want to be a part of this. Now, if everybody did that, 400 people, wow. dude, we'd be, yeah, yeah, we'd be done like tomorrow. You know, that kind of, or if somebody just gave you a million dollars and you don't know what to do with it, <laughs> all right, you know, I don't know, hey, hey, you, God does that kind of stuff. So our plan, get at least... And so then our hope is to begin phase one of our, of our new building piece in the next 12 to 24 months. I mean, but if we're going to do this, we have to say, you know what, God, I want to be a part of that. And I want to jump on board and make a difference. Say, well, maybe I can't. So then you flip, you look down at the bottom, the amazing possibilities. Let's just say 100 people gave $25 a month. 100 people gave $50. 100 people gave $100. 100 people went crazy and gave $200. In a year's time, we would have met our goal and had some cash to play with to get going. I mean, t- I mean so, I mean, it- it's just a matter of, Lord, speak to us as a group and make it happen. So here's what's going to happen. Then, and then on the back, you can see step one. If you haven't started tithing and you're, I don't know about that, then that's where you start. I mean, because that allows us to do the weekly operation of what we do every week. The second part, though is to make this commitment, to say, you know what, God, and and, and I'm looking over here, young people, maybe you make a commitment, you know, maybe you say, hey, you know what, I want to be a part of this, you know, not just my parents, I want to be a part of this, and let's see what happens if all of us get together, right now, there's about 30 to 40 people that are consistently pouring into this thing, we need like 240 people consistently pouring into this thing, and so if you just ask yourself, hey, what would it be? And you can fill it out. Later on, you can drop it in the offering bucket. We're, gonna do, we're just going to talk about this week and next week, and then we're going to let it run for six months, and we'll talk about it again. And that's kind of, you know, we'll give you updates and stuff like that. But how many of you think that we need to kind of look forward? Yeah, so let's go for it, all right? So think about that. Pray about that. Ask God what, you would, what He would have you to do. And, and again, if you have that million dollars... Just go ahead and drop that in the buckets today. Just mark it Project 100. We'll take care of it. <laughs> anyway, well, I got a ton to cover this today on, on the second part of our big question series. And, and we're, we've been exploring the answers to some big questions. Last week was our first week, and we kicked it off. Why am I here? Right? What's the point? What, what's, the, what's the point of my existence? What, what's, why does God have me here in any shape or form? And We kind of talked about that. I encourage you to go online, listen to it if you want to get caught up to speed. But today we want to take on another big question, and that is, what's God's will for my life? What's God's will? Like, uh, and, and by the way, a will means a plan or a design or a destiny. I mean, what's, what's God want to see happen in my life? I mean, how does that work out? And, and so we want to talk about that. What's God's will for my life and many times when you talk about God's will really what we're asking or saying is what does God expect from me that's that's part of it isn't it what's God expect from me I mean in my life what's God looking for it in in my experience and my day-to-day activities and everything else what's God expect for me and, and some of them it gets a little bit more intense and maybe it's not just what he expects but what's next you ever ask that question what's next I what am I supposed to do now where, where, where am I supposed to go from here? You know, and that begins to become a big question when it comes to God's will. And so what, what's God expect? What's next? And then I think there's a third part of it, too, in this question. What is God's will for my life? And that is, what's, your, what's the future hold for me? You know, I, I, used, I joke all the time, even now when I'm, you know, a little older, I say, what am I going to be when I grow up? <laughs> you know? What am I going to be when I grow up? You know, God, what's your what's your plan in that? What's what's it look like? You know, what's what's the next twenty years or forty years look like in my life? I mean, what's my future? I think that's part of the whole idea of God's will. What does He expect from me? What's next? What's the future? And for for some of us, we want to know exactly what God wants today. You know, it's kind of like we'd like to have a scripted playbook. You know, like maybe Nebraska needed yesterday. Just. on the defensive side anyway but but maybe you know scripted playbook at seven thirty, ding 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 oh, time god to do this <laughs> like all right cool 8 15 ding 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 do this you know nine thirty, 30 ding, ding 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 and all throughout the day you just have the scripted playbook and god just does that like that's what i want i'm thinking about the first day that would be fairly cool about the third day you're going gee whiz ding 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 somebody shut the ding 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 thing off right I mean, it just it would get old real quick, and so some of us—that's that's that's what we're looking at. But I I thought about for me personally, I would like a checklist from heaven, just a checklist, you know, kind of like a like an email or a Twitter thing happening, you know. God, oh, this God, he wants me to go over here and say this to this person right here. That would make life so much easier for me if somehow he would just give me that but but it doesn't always happen that way to define my day-to-day and my key decisions the reality is is god doesn't do that not all the time anyway sometimes he does but most of the time he doesn't now i'm i'm like you i've wrestled with this whole idea of what's god's will for my life i've wrestled with it i mean there's been points in my life where i couldn't understand why this was happening i couldn't figure it out i mean when When our daughter passed away in a car accident, trust me, what's going on? What's your will in this, God? I mean, when I had to make some big decisions about whether or not I was supposed to go into ministry when I was 20 years old, 21 years old, that was a big decision. Is this your will? You know? When I had to decide between a really good opportunity and another opportunity, is this your will? Purchasing a house at a certain time or doing different things. I mean, you wrestle with some of those things. What's God's will? And we all wrestle with that all the time. And so hopefully we can talk about that. So here's a couple problems, though, and these are in your notes. The first problem is this, is that we can't see it perfectly. That's a problem. We want to know God's will, and I I kind of felt like today I'd get up here and I'd go, hey, you can know God's will exactly. You can know perfectly everything that's going on. The truth is we can't. Just isn't going to happen. So I just want to lay that lay it aside right now is that we can't see it, God's will, perfectly. It just isn't going to happen. We don't fully know what God's will is right now. We won't fully know what God's will is until later. And so that part of it right there kind of messes up with us, because we, we would want to know now. I want to know exactly what your will is today. I want to know what's going on. But right now, we can't quite see it clearly or perfectly. Matter of fact, there's a scripture that speaks specifically to this, 1 Corinthians 13. It says, now we see, now, we think, see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. It's kind of like we're all going, ah, oh, I kind of see what's going on. I kind of know what's happening. But then, meaning eternally, later on, we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. So right now, we're kind of behind the game here a little bit. So for me to say, I want to know God's will, I want to know everything it is to know about it, I want to know all that there is in, out, upside down, I want to know why to everything. The answer is, not yet. That's the answer. Like, ah, I don't like that, I don't know if I like that. But see, really what's going on is we have to do the best we can with what we have now. We have to do the best we can with what we have now. And really what that means is this. Our lives on this side of eternity are basically a season that we live in. And the season that we lived it, live in is built on faith and hope. There's one, I have faith that God is going to work this out, that, that God is going to do what he does best. He's going to do the things. And I have hope that he's going to bring it all together. Somehow it's all going to come together. Somehow God's going to pull all the pieces, all the questions, all the, all the stuff that's going on. I have that happening. That's what we have to work with now. So the first big problem is we can't see it perfectly. The perfect is yet to come. Now, I was thinking about it this way. Some people throw this phrase around all the time. God told me. Don't you love people to say that? God told me. I'm like, okay, I, I get that. I understand it because I feel like sometimes God speaks to me, right? I I think God does that. He speaks to us. But here's the reality of it. The reality is is that none of us are in a position yet to hear or know completely or fully God's perfect will yet. We just can't do that. So you're better off instead of saying, God told me, you might say, to the best of my understanding in this moment, (laughs) I believe God wants me to. That way you're not pointing or making God say something that he actually maybe not is maybe not saying. All right? I mean, because sometimes we, we kind of tweak out. How many of you know that sometimes we just blame God for stuff he had nothing to do with? <laughs> right? And I mean, we're just trying to make him say, you know, it was God's will. It was God's will. It was God's will. It was God's will. And I love this one. God's will that I got the first parking lot at the grocery store. <laughs> I mean, seriously? <laughs> All the other pathetic people that parked core out there God didn't like? I mean, what, you know? What's going on with that? So I mean, you got to be careful with that. So so just understand, we can't see it perfectly yet. The second problem is this: is we don't always want to know His will. That's a reality. The reality is is not all of us are going. Yeah, I want to know God's will. I want to go God's will. But but really, when it comes down to it, we might not want to know it as bad as we act like we want to know it because here and here's why we, we tend to kind of reject some of the idea of it because if we actually knew what god's will was for my life it might require a change in me or my direction i don't know if i want that i mean i kind of like the idea of talking about god's will but i don't know if i actually want god's will i don't know if i want to have it like really part of me i just kind of like the idea of it you know i mean you know god's will i'm in god's will but man, sometimes when God's will comes around, it challenges you to make a decision that changes the course of your direction, and so you have to look at that. So that's the second big problem. So what is God's will not? All right, let me let me go through that for just a few minutes. So the, the two big problems: can't see it perfectly. Secondly, is we don't always really want it. We tend to have kind of some resistance naturally in that. But what is God's? What 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 what? God's will is not, and let me just look at a couple things here, that, and there's all kinds of them, by the way, there's tons of them, but I'm just trying to simplify it for us today. And the first one is, that it's not God's will that anyone would be separated. And I'm not talking like separated in marriage, you know, I mean that's true too, but I mean I'm talking about separating in relationship to God. That's not God's will. I mean, it wasn't God's will that Adam and Eve would, would reject God's promises and reject all the things and get kicked out of the Garden of Eden. It wasn't God's will. God's will that there would be this perfect relationship and that nobody would be separated. So God's will is not for anyone to go to hell or to be controlled by sin. That's, that's just not God's will. I mean, it's not God's will in any shape or form. He said, man, I'm just kind of walking around looking for somebody that I can send to hell. Just the opposite. God isn't looking around at people and saying, man, I, I, I just wanted them to be in sin. I just wanted them to be captivated and mastered by it and, and a slave to it. I, that's what I wanted. That's not God's will. Never is God's will. Ever. Ever. So God's will is, is not that anyone would be separated. Matter of fact, there's a scripture, I think it kind of sums this up. As first, I mean, 2 Peter 3, it says, the Lord is not, isn't slow to do what he promised okay and what it's talking about here is he's not slow in bringing judgment in other words eventually god's justice has to come to be all right And, and eventually there is this side of god that's just not because he wants to see anybody punished but because it's the character of who god is and so it says the lord isn't slow to do what he promised as some people think in other words like god doesn't really care no he does And it goes on, rather, he is patient for your sake. And here's what's happening. Because God doesn't want anybody to be separated, he is being intensely patient with a bunch of stupid, idiotic people, many times like you and I. Right? Right? I mean, he, he's just not doing that because God's will is not that any be separated. So he gives every possible opportunity, even to the point where the broken world seems like it's out of control and things are happening left and right. And God is up there going, no, I want to give everybody as much opportunity to come back into relationship with me. I don't want to see anybody separated. And so it goes, goes on. He said he doesn't want to destroy anyone. He doesn't want to destroy anyone, but wants all people to have an opportunity to turn to him and change the way they think and act. So here's the deal. It's never, ever God's will that somebody would be separated or cast off away from God. Just the opposite. God is doing everything possible he can to bring as many back to relationship to him as possible. That's what God is doing. That's God's will, what it's not and what it is at the same time second one is this, is that God's will is not necessarily the easy road. It's not necessarily the easy road. How many of you think that it'd be nice if every time God's will came up, that it would just be super easy? Anybody? I mean, I would like that. I'd like, God, can you just make it easy? But a lot of times, God's will is not necessarily the easy road. Often, it's actually hard. Like, pfft. Why would he do that? Why, why, would, why would God's will be hard? I mean, I, every time, I, one of the questions that I'm going to ask God when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him, God, why'd you make it so hard? And I kind of already know the answer, but I still want to ask him because I want to put him on the spot. I mean, so, so all that's going on. So God's will is not necessarily the, the easy road. Sometimes God's will is difficult and challenging. See, some of you today, you're, you're in or you've come out of or you've been a part of all kinds of difficult, challenging situations, and you're like, how can that be God's will? How can God possibly be in that? Or how can God possibly use that? Because a lot of times it isn't necessarily God's doing, He allows things to happen. Why, why would that ever take place? Well, God's will is not necessarily the easy road. Sometimes God's will is difficult and challenging. First Peter 3 says, Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good. You're like, I don't know how that can work. If that is what God wants, that's His will, right? If that is what God wants, then to suffer for doing wrong. And let me kind of break this down a little bit. Is it, let me just ask a question. Is it God's will that I suffer or go through difficult times? Is it God's will? Can it be? Can it be that? Yeah. And the answer is? yes it's it's definitely god's will at certain points along the journey that god would allow me to go through a difficult time he would like i don't know if i like that well it's he's up to something though and so so sometimes god's will involves suffering and sacrifice in other words i give something when i don't really want to give it or i give more than what i really have He says Sometimes God's will involves suffering and sacrifice because it is more, and listen this closely, it is more about my development as a person than it is about my situation or my place. It's a huge. It's huge to understand God's will, and here's why it's huge. Because many times when we think about God's will, we just think about situation and we think about place. Where does God want me to be? I mean, I used to do interviews with college students all the time about going into the ministry, and one of the first things, I'm looking for God's will, and when they said that, really what they're saying is they're looking for the place, and I'm like, you know what, that's probably not God's will anyway. God's more into you than He is the place. God's more into you becoming what you were created to be than He is to a geography place. Now, sometimes the, He does have a specific place, but and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but More often than not, he's more into what you are becoming as a person, your character and the development of you as a person, than he is to the place or the situation that you're necessarily a part of. So, when suffering happens, our response, here's what our response needs to be. It needs to be that I hold steady. I hold steady. In other words, because I'm going through that, I can't bail because God might be actually developing something in me that is greater than the situation or the place that I'm actually at. So I need to hold steady. Second, here's, a, here's another one about God's not necessarily being easy, is that sometimes God's will is actually hidden. I don't like this. Just to let you know. <laughs> I like everything about on a table i like to know exactly what God's doing, when He's doing it, how He's doing it. Matter of fact, I demand it. Oh, good, that did. Nothing happened. I'm like, God, I want to know. I want to know exactly what you're doing in this moment. But sometimes God's will is hidden. For example... In the Old Testament, there's a whole book called the book of Job where God allowed a certain thing so that he could test and prove the faithfulness of one man and allowed all kinds of things. And Job had no clue what was going on. Had no clue what was going on. I mean, it, Moses. Moses was one of my, my heroes in the Bible. He, he actually tried to fix things in his own power and kind of got ostracized for 40 years on the backside of the desert. God's will was hidden for a long time, and then he showed up. And so, sometimes God's will is hidden, and and so if it's hidden, my response to when it's hidden is simply I need to trust that sometime it's going to happen. Sometime I'm going to come to the place where it's going to make sense. Sometime I'm going to come to that moment where all of a sudden it all comes together and I go, oh, that's what God's been doing. Sometimes it's hidden. Here's another one. Sometimes God's will is aggressive. You ever been hunted by God? That's scary. I was hunted by God. I was in the party mode, and every time I'd turn around, I'd be running into somebody and say, hey, you know, you're supposed to be serving God. How'd you find me? (laughs) Where'd you come from? Every time I turned around, it was, it was, was one more, more thing that God was speaking and saying, hey, you are supposed to be following me. You're supposed to be serving me. And I was like, ah. And it was aggressive. He was the hound of heaven. He was chasing me. And sometimes God's will is that. And it's aggressive. And it's, and it's open. And, it's, and a lot of times that's when it's very specific. And you know you need to be doing something. God doesn't do it. Classic example from Scripture. Anybody ever heard of Jonah. Jonah came and God said, hey, here's the deal. I want you to go and tell these filthy, nasty people that if they don't repent, I'm going to blow them all out of the water. They're going to, they're going to get judged. God doesn't want anybody, but he's going to give them an opportunity, right? Jonah says, I don't want to do it. Gets thrown in, a, goes and tries to run away. God chases him, catches him, all these kind of things. And the whole story comes around the fact that God is aggressively desiring his will to be accomplished. Sometimes it's aggressive. And it happens that way. So what do you do when it's aggressive? Here's what you do when it's aggressive. You yield. In other words, you do one of these. (laughs) Whatever you want. I'm not going to fight it because when I start fighting your aggressive will, boy, I'm I'm fighting against God. I'm fighting against his design. I'm fighting against all these things. And so I don't want to do that. So God's will is not that anyone should be separated. God's will is not necessarily the easy road. So what is God's will? What is it? What's God's will? What does God want? What does God expect? What's the future? And there's two areas of this, I think, that need to be addressed today. There's general, in other words, generally speaking, all of us, God is speaking to, and then there's specific. It's the specific decisions, it's the specific moments that I have in life that I have to wrestle with, what do I do there? What's God's will? So general, you know, what's God to expect for or look for in all of our lives, and there's... I, three things and again there's more than these in scripture but i'm just trying to zero in on a few and first one is this god's will is that we would partner with his plan that we would partner with his plan here's here's what's happening god's up to something god's doing something god's god already has a will God already has a design. God already has something that He's trying to accomplish. He's already full stream, full ahead. It's happening. God's got a plan. My part in that is that I would partner with His plan. Now, now listen to this scripture, Proverbs 19, 21. It says, you can make many plans. In other words, you can have your own plan. You can come up with your own design, your own idea, what it is. But then listen to what it says here. It says, You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. And really what that's saying is this, is that God's ultimately, God and His design and all the things that He's doing is going to come to pass. His plan's going to work. So our primary, all of us, everybody in this room, is that we would somehow partner with His will, what He's doing, what He's already trying to accomplish. Ultimately, God is directing the whole show. In the end, it's God's will that will stand above everybody else's. It's not going to be mine. It's not going to be yours. So he's directly in the show. And really the question is, the big question is, is where will I be in relationship to this plan that God already has going? Where will I be in relationship to his will? Will I be outside it? Will I be resistant to it? Or will I be part of it? Where will I be? How will I interact with that? What's, what's going to happen in God's will is that I would partner with his plan. And it's a good plan, by the way. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. In other words, God's saying, my plan works for you. Partner with me. Become part of what I'm doing. And, and you're like, well, what's God's plan? Well, God's plan is simply this. is He wants to restore a broken relationship with humanity so that he could spend eternity hanging out with them. That's God's plan. So you're like, wait a minute, he wants me to partner with that? Yeah, he wants you and I to partner with that. So coming, being a part of this is partnering. Understanding that every moment that I have in life might be an opportunity to be a part of that plan, that's partnering. And so I begin to go, oh, okay, that's God's will for my life, is that I would be part of what he's doing. Jesus, it says, came to seek and save stupid people. So maybe I should partner with Jesus and help him to reach out with people that have rejected and resisted and say, wait a minute, God actually likes you. Be a part of that. Second one is this, God's will is that I would worship him with my entire life or our lives. God's will is that we would worship Him with our lives. And really what that means is God's will is that we would bring glory to God in everything we do. That our lives would honor the Creator. It's recognizing here, and listen to this closely. It's recognizing something. His greatness and my smallness. It's recognizing that... He's the big deal, and I'm just a small part of the big deal. That He's doing something incredible. He's placed stars. He's done all kinds of different things all over the place. He created me. He's shaped me. He's molded me. He's made me just for Him. He's a big deal. And I'm small, and He's allowing me to be a part of it. Matter of fact, He's even doing big things on my behalf, and that being Christ on the cross. He's going through all those things. He's tr- making that happen that God would help us to understand. It's recognizing his greatness and my smallness. And, I, and I, I stumbled into this text in Romans chapter 11. And it says this. And, and it's interesting because the verses I was looking at was actually Romans 1 and 2, which we'll get to in just 12, 1 and 2. But I backed up and just said, what's he talking about right before this? And it's interesting. Here's, here's what he says. Paul's talking. He's trying to help people understand the will of God. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. He's great. He's big. He's awesome. He, God's everything. Man, he's, he is it. And then he goes on, how impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and ways. Kind of going back to that verse we started with, isn't it? <laughs> that we are probably not going to realistically grab a hold of everything that God is. Then he goes on, he says, to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Well, who knows even enough to give him advice? Anybody ever try to do that? God, I think what you should do today is this. God, if you would just get on my plan, everything would be cool. God, if you just follow my lead, man, we're going to go somewhere. Yeah, I don't think that's part of it. So who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? In other words, going, man, I owe you big time. God's going, whoa, 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 whoa. I owe you nothing. Matter of fact, you owe me everything. Matter of fact, I've given you the very breath that you breathe. Everything that is in you, that you have, is from me. Greatness and smallness. That he needs to pay it back for everything comes from him and exists by his power. And And here's the will. And is intended for his glory. So so all of a sudden, what we understand here is that God's will for all of us is number one, we partner with His plan. Secondly, is we would worship Him with our lives because it's intended to be that way. That's why I'm here, going back to last week. That it's all intended for His glory, all glory to Him forever, amen and amen. And then we jump into Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, and so, in light of His greatness and your smallness, in light of that, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies, you might want to underline the word give, give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. We think about all the things God's done for you, how many times He's just been really, really patient? How many times God's given you a second chance? How How many times He's just in that realm been there for you? Think about all the times he's really provided for an opportunity for you to even have what you have today. Then think bigger. Think about what he did with Jesus on the cross. Think about the fact that he sent his only son that would be willing to die for you, for me. All of that, he says, do that in life. He says, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them, your bodies, your being, your, who you are, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship God. Brings it all back. It's all about this whole worship idea. And so worship then becomes this. It becomes more than a Sunday morning experience. What we do here is a gathering. What we do here is just a moment of an environment that maybe can stir some things in our hearts that we would actually go out and live our lives as worship. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought the worship was when Deron and that team got up and we sang the song. No, that's just a song that we sing about God. So so what's going on here? See, worship is more than a Sunday morning church service. It's making everything you do an act of worship before God. So here's, here we go. When you go to the Nebraska game, <laughs> it's an act of worship. You're like, whoa, 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 man, that might be contrary. There, some of the things that were happening at the game and some of the things that I said, I mean, you know, I didn't just say, come on, ref. I said, ba 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 ba. That wasn't worship. <laughs> Everything, so, so when I go to the Nebraska game, it needs to be an act of worship. In the tailgate area, in the game, and after the game. <laughs> just, just throwing it out there. Or, or when you go to work, it's an act of worship. Lord, I'm giving my body, I'm giving my life because this is your will for me that I would give it away. It's an act of worship. Or, or, or when you're at home and you're interacting with the kids and your wife, Your neighbor or whoever it might be, it's an act. Worship. Because God's will is that that I would do it 24-7. It would be giving it 24-7. Not just here. That's not worship, it's my life. That's God's will, is that I would bring glory to Him and give it away. And By the way, underline that word give. Worship means to give your whole life. It means you give. So worship is giving an offering. Worship is lifting our hands and giving it in praise. And it's giving it in service. I mean, all these things, it encapsulates this idea of worship. Third one, God's will is that we would be different for God. So God's will is that we'd partner with His plans. God's will is that we would worship Him with our lives. God's will is that we would be different for God. You know, everybody wants to be different, don't you? I mean, Nothing, nothing drives you more nuts and you walk in a room and somebody's got the exact same outfit you got on. Man, I can't believe that. That's why I always wear stuff that I think nobody else has. And I'm looking around here, I think nobody else. And if everybody comes with this shirt next week, I'm throwing this one away. (laughs) But we all want to be different. We are we just that's what we want. But see, God said, I want you to be different for me. Kind of goes something like this: 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, the first part of it, says, God's will for you is to be holy. Holy, big churchy kind of word, but it really means a simple thought. And here's what it means. The word holy means to be set apart, to be different for God. I'm not going to be like everybody else because that's not God's will. God's will is that I be different for him. I only be his. And what it means is simply this, is that I'm available exclusively for his use. I'm reflecting his heart and character only. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's what it is, and so the point is: is don't be like everybody else. Be like God. Dare to be different because it's God's will. Not dare to be different because you want to be the only one like that. No, dare to be different for God. That's His will. That's His will. So, second, and there's there's another verse here, uh, verse two. It says, uh, "Don't copy," and he kind of gets in this whole don't don't be uh, be different for God. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. In other words, don't take your cues from them. But let God, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will. Wait a minute, there it is. <laughs> then you will know, learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. I thought we couldn't be perfect. We'll talk about that in just a second. So here's three points real quickly from this verse. And I'm going fly through them. first point is this, is you can't find God's will in your life if you are living in opposition to God's character. You can't get there from there. Say, so I want God's will, I want God's will, but I don't have the character or the difference that God calls me to to be different. You can't get there from there. You can't find God's will for your life if you are living life in opposition to God's character. Can't do it. Number two, second this, right from this verse, you can't find God's will for your life if you have not allowed God to change you from the inside out. In other words, I can't will myself into it. I've got to allow God to touch the very core of who I am by the work that Jesus did on the cross. I'm accepting that, and there's transforming, morphing power that happens in that. I can't find God's will unless that happens. Third one is, is the more I allow God to define my life, The more I allow Him to be part of my thinking processes, the more I allow God to define my life, the easier it is for me to see and experience God's will for my life. In other words, understanding God's will is a learning process. I engage in the learning, and God begins to reveal to me His will again and again and again. Is anybody learning anything from this? Because I feel like I'm just flying. Okay, all right, here we go. So, what's God's will specific so that was God's general. that's what God wants for all of us here's God's will specific what is God wanting me to do with my life what should I do is it God's will for me to take this job is it God's will for me to move right get married is it, is it God's will for me to change jobs? Is it, is it God's will for me to buy this new car or this new house or buy this or that? It, it, what's God's will for my life? And actually, it's connected with what we just said. And there's a few filters, and there's three filters. And, and it was interesting because when I, I put together the filters and as I thought about it, it actually connects right back to the verse that we just read. Those last three, phrase, those last three phrases that say it's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. That's when I find God's will. These actually go right in line with these three filters. And here they are. So you are well, how do I figure out what God's specific will is for my life? Here it is. Number one, filter number one. What is my motive? What is my motive? Not your motive. What is my motive? You, you know, what, what, what's, and here's what that has to do with it. Is this good? right from the text meaning does it have integrity that brings benefit that's what that word good means there there's integrity there's morality in it there's a rightness about it and because of the rightness it brings about benefit and so I'm asking myself what is my motive am I am I just trying to avoid a difficult situation by making this decision about my will (laughs) you ever done that you just look at something and you're like, you know what? I, I think it's God's will that I don't be a part of that. Because that's too hard and that's too difficult. Remember, though, it's not always easy road that God's will is found. And so my motive, I just want to get out of it. Well, mm, I don't know if that's necessarily the benefit that God wants to do. A lot of people bail and they miss the will of God. Because the motive is, is I don't want to have to deal with anything hard. Okay. Or, or here's another one am i trying to avoid a difficult situation am i trying to take the spotlight (laughs) really i'm just making this decision so everybody sees me (laughs) so they can see how awesome a person i am and how able i am and how cool i am and how all all these different things and just just like whoa 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 the spotlight is supposed to go for somebody else not you remember it's his greatness my smallness so am I trying to take the slight light, Or am I just wanting to do what I want to do? Right? I just want to do what I want to do. I, I, I just want to do that. And so the question then about motive comes back to, is this an act of partnership? Is this an act of worship? Is this an act of holiness? Is it good? Does it lead to the benefit that God wants? And so the key question is, is all this about me or about him? That's the question I ask to get a specific decision on what is God's will for my life. So next one, next one has to do with that that word perfect because I put them in kind of a weird order here. But what will be my destination? In other words, does this lead me to a perfect place, or a place of compromise? You know, a lot of times we just have to ask ourselves, where is this leading? Where's this going to go? If I, if I make this decision about what I think God's will is, does this draw me closer in relationship with God or further away? Does this prepare me for my final destination or does it make me miss it? Where's this taking me? Not always do we know. Again, we don't see everything perfectly, but what's, where would this probably end up? If I move in with this person, is this going to be what I want to really be a part of? <laughs> If I, you know, I mean, you just kind of start asking yourself, where's the destination? And by the way, the perfect place that he's talking about is actually the eternal place. Does it lead me to that eternal place? That perfect place. Andy Stanley wrote a book called The Greatest Question Ever. And basically it goes something like this. Based on my past experiences and my current situation and my future hopes, what's the best decision right now? Great question. Great question. Last thing. Is filter number three. Filter number one is what is my motive? Filter number two, what is my destination? Filter number three is do I have peace? You're like, well, yeah, I have peace. I can do this. I'm not guilty. I'm not I don't feel convicted about doing this. Now I'm talking about a different kind of peace. A lot of people do that. They like, well, it doesn't hurt anybody else. <laughs> I'm peace. I'm at peace with it. But really, when I say the do you have or do I have peace, I'm asking the question, is this pleasing to God. And if you break down that word pleasing, here's what it means. It means, is it agreeable? Is it acceptable? And I thought of another word that goes with that. Do I have peace about my decision? Does this create harmony? (laughs) Or does it create chaos? In my spirit. Does it create harmony or does it create chaos? Because it says in scripture that the leading of the spirit gives us peace beyond all understanding. What's that mean? Peace gives us harmony with God. In other words, I have harmony with the spirit of God and I have harmony with the word of God. And out of that, I can know this is God's will. That's how I know. And so when I make specific decisions, that's what I find out. And so I have peace because I have partnership with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Now, let me throw out a couple of little quick thoughts. If there is no peace, no peace, z- zeros, junk it. <laughs> Just junk it. <laughs> Kick it to the curb, move on. Right? If there is questionable peace, what should I do? Like, I don't know. Pause. <laughs> Pause. Don't jump. Alright? Don't jump. Or, if there's questionable peace, this is what I do. If I have question, it might look like it's the best decision in the world. And I just don't have that peace, the harmony of the Holy Spirit, and the harmony of God's Word. You know what I do? I'll pass. And here's what I've realized when I've done that. I survived, and I probably did better when I passed. Does that make sense? Let me close. So how does God speak His will? He speaks His will three different ways. He speaks through His Word, so you've got to ask, is it in the Word? Does it line up? He speaks by His Spirit. Does the Spirit give me peace? And He also speaks by God's people. In other words, you get the wisdom of those around you and say, hey, what do you think? That's how it happens. So wrap it all up. Here's, here it is. Man, I've just, just, are you guys okay? I mean, I just gave you like about five messages in one day. So here's it, here it is. Finding God's will. Living God's will for our lives All of it, it's partnership, it's worship, it's being different, right? That's all of us. Specifically, though, I'm asking questions. Motive, destination, peace. Motive, destination, peace. I'm specifically asking that about this thing right here. What is it? And so it all comes back to this one thing. Finding and living God's will is all about surrender. And I don't think that's in your notes, but you can write it down maybe. It's all about surrender. It's being yielded, listen, it's being yielded to the decision of another. Who's the other? It's God. What I'm saying is God's will for my life is that I would be yielded to the decision of another. I've surrendered to that. I've given my body. I've given my life. I've given everything. I'm given, it, it's all about you. It's not about me. So when you go through hard times, you realize, well, maybe God's doing some stuff. I don't really understand what it is because it's hidden right now. It's difficult. It's a gr- all these different things. You go, okay, I can, yeah, all right, I'm with this. I can do this. Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Basically what he was saying is that when we come before God, we surrender to his will and we find our will so what do I do with God's will for my life? You simply say this, Lord, you are the potter, I am the clay. You are God, and I am the one that you're shaping and forming. I surrender to you. And you're saying, well, I've never experienced this in any shape or form. Well, it all starts, remember, you can't get God's will without being transformed in your hearts by the power of what Jesus did on the cross. So as a team comes up, I want to ask you a question. Number one is this. Is have you started the process of living out God's will for your life by being transformed by what Jesus did for you on the cross? In other words, you came to the point where you realize I am, and here's where it starts, I am in desperate need of what Jesus did for me on the cross. That's the transformation. That's the renewing step that happens. It's, I finally realize, you know what? Man, I'm blowing it. I've been making decisions based on my plan and God's plan, been 100 miles away, and I need to allow Jesus to transform my heart. If that's you, would you just wave your hand out at me so I know that's you? Yeah. 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 And secondly, you're here and you're saying, you know what? I've been wrestling with God on this whole will thing because I haven't made the things like worship and partnership and different, a big deal in my life. I've just kind of let it be casual. And I've missed it. I need to come back to it. I need to say, God, here's, here's where I need to be. And that's you. And you would like for somebody to pray with you right now. And I'm going to pray with you. Just wave your hand at me. You say, that's me. Yeah. A lot of us in the room. Lord, I ask today, <clears throat> excuse me, I ask today, first of all, for those that are realizing for maybe the very first time that they need A relationship with Jesus. The transformation from a sinner (laughs) to a right relationship with you by what happened on the cross. Jesus paying their price. Lord, we ask together and say, God, forgive us for everything that we've done that's been in opposition to you. Lord, I believe that the power of what you do on the cross can give me life right now. And so I just simply open my arms and my heart and say, God, come in. Change me. Renew me, make me a different person from this moment forward. Lord, I pray also for those today that have raised their hands and say, God, I've been being casual with your will. I've been being comfortable with it and i have careless even. Lord, forgive me and may I come back to understanding, to that understanding of your will that it's about worship and it's about partnership. It's about being different and holy for you. Lord, forgive me. May it be a brand new start right now. In Jesus' name, amen.